Hello, and welcome to A History of Japan. Season 4, Episode 9, Tachibana Troubles. Empress Koken ascended to the throne of a court beset by divisions and quarreling. She and her mother had come to rely on Fujiwara Nakamaro of the Nanke, or southern branch, of the Fujiwara clan. The Fujiwara proved quite resilient throughout the reign of Shomuten no, their clan surviving the sudden loss of its entire leadership in 737, and the ascension of the Tachibana clan, who eagerly pursued the high offices at court, which had traditionally belonged to Fujiwara members. We should also acknowledge that Empress Komyo, the wife of retired Emperor Shomu, was still politically active during this period, and was an influential force in her own right. If the late Prince Asaka really was killed through poisoning by Fujiwara Nakamaro, it was almost certainly Empress Komyo who gave the order. It's also worth remembering that Empress Komyo was a daughter of the late Fujiwara Fuhito, and thus Nakamaro was her nephew. In 749, when Empress Koken was crowned, Fujiwara Nakamaro was immediately promoted to the Dainagon, or Great Council. He was later given the duties to head the Chibi Shudai, which was the Department of the Empress's Affairs a bureau which itself had been created earlier by Empress Ko-myo. In addition to this, he served at the Ministry of the Center and Commander of the Imperial Bodyguards. Tachibana Moroe, still serving as the Sadaijin, Minister of the Left, was no doubt anxious about the promotion of a rival. Empress Ko-ken awarded Moroe with a promotion in rank from Juichi, junior first rank, to Shoichi, senior first rank. This is a remarkable achievement, as the rank of Shoichi was generally only awarded to a courtier after their death to honor their life. To this day, only six people in all of Japanese history have ever attained the rank of Shoichi during their actual lifetimes. However, this seems to have been more of a consolation prize than a legitimate honor. The duties and authority of the Sadaijin were gradually being delegated to Empress Koken's inner circle, and Moroe was essentially being left in the cold. But Moroe wasn't the only Tachibana to attain government post and court rank. His son, Tachibana Naramaro, had entered government service in 741 as the head of the Imperial University, then was promoted in 745 as the director of Setsu Province's offices. He continued to be promoted in rank, and in 746 was appointed to Senior Assistant Minister of the Ministry of the People's Affairs. He did not receive an immediate promotion in the wake of Empress Koken's ascension, but he was appointed in 752 to the office of Azechi, a sort of imperial provincial overseer over Tajima 
and Inaba provinces, and in 754 he was even promoted to senior fourth rank, lower grade. The year 755, however, would prove disastrous for the fortunes of the Tachibana clan. Sadaijin Tachibana Moroe availed himself of the sake at a feast. The story goes, and we have good cause to be skeptical here, that Moroe's tongue was loosened from too much drinking, and he began to mock retired Emperor Shomu for his sickly constitution, and even complained about being marginalized by the court. This behavior was considered unbecoming of lower-ranking Kuge, much more a man of Moroe's pedigree and standing. It was none other than humble servant of the court, Fujiwara Nakamaro, who much later on related these events to Empress Koken, who promptly raised the issue with the Sadaijin. Mortified by his own alleged behavior, and possibly also fearful that charges of treason may not be far behind, Tachibana Moroe resigned from his post in 756. The fact that it was Nakamaro who passed along the events in question, a story which he had heard from someone else, certainly raises suspicions. While I don't think that the rising star of the Fujiwara Southern Branch created the story out of whole cloth, I do believe it's possible that Moroe may have been wrongfully accused. Whatever the truth, he was out of the court now, leaving his son Naramaro to try and follow in his footsteps. Later in 756, retired Emperor Shomu passed away, indicating in his will that he wanted Prince Funado to become the sovereign when Koken Tenno's time in the office came to an end. This presented a problem for Fujiwara Nakamaro, who had no influence over the prince, and feared that his own power would be diminished if he ascended to the throne. Disobeying an emperor, however, was not a simple matter, even when that sovereign was dead. Thus, Nakamaro went to his patron, Empress Komyo, and the sitting Tenno, Empress Koken, to discuss what might be done about this unacceptable succession. In 757, Empress Koken, whom is strongly believed to be acting on behalf of her mother, Empress Komyo's wishes here, revealed that an internal investigation had uncovered a scandal. Prince Funado had engaged in immoral behavior, although sources differ regarding what exactly he had done. Some indicate that he had carelessly told one of the palace pages all about the secret rituals done for Emperor Shomu's funeral, which would certainly qualify as an offense against the state. Whatever the case, by the time the prince was informed of this attempt to remove him from his position, it had already been done. Critical to this effort was Fujiwara Toyonari, a son of Muchimaro who was promoted to Udaijin, Minister of the Right, when Koken first ascended. Prince Funado bitterly vacated the crown prince's quarters where he had been living, allegedly muttering to himself that he was too foolish to be the crown prince. I'd like to briefly note the element of plausible deniability which the court seemed to adopt here. Appearances mattered, and just disliking Prince Funado 
was not enough of a reason to remove him from dynastic inheritance. Emperor Shomu's will wasn't technically violated, however, if his choice of crown prince was later found to be unsuitable because of said crown prince's own actions. Thus, the inviolability of the sovereign's word was preserved, since Prince Funato had, by his own actions, supposedly forced the court's hand through his misbehavior. While the great council of state seemed fairly unified in the ouster of Emperor Shomu's chosen heir, they were anything but united when it came to choosing a suitable replacement. Empress Koken had remained unmarried and had expressed a desire to remain as such, and every courtier saw this as an opportunity to promote their own personal favorite member of the imperial family, particularly if they personally had a large amount of influence over that candidate. Prince Ikeda, son of the late Prince Toneri, was put forward by Otomo Komaro, at the time serving as the Sadaiben, controller of the left. Others rallied around Prince Funa, brother of Prince Ikeda. Some tried to champion Prince Shioyaki, the brother of Prince Funado, but Koken Tenno poured cold water on that idea immediately, saying that Funado's shameful removal because of his misconduct meant that his brother's ascension would likewise be inappropriate. These proceedings were largely for show, as Empress Komyo had already made her selection and was merely waiting for the right circumstance for it to be revealed. As the courtiers bickered amongst themselves, Fujiwara Nakamaro made what probably seemed, in the heat of the moment, like a reasonable suggestion. He proposed that they leave this decision in the hands of Empress Koken, who had already decided whom to choose after discussing the matter previously with her mother. She first listed reasons why the thus far proposed candidates were unsuitable. Prince Fune's primary wife was unstable and would make a poor empress. Prince Ikeda was a layabout and thus unlikely to make a good tenno. There was only one member of the imperial family, as far as she could see, who would be a suitable sovereign, and that was Prince Oi. Prince Oi was 24 years old in 757, and was remarkable precisely because he was so... unremarkable. The seventh son of the late Prince Toneri, he was a grandson of Emperor Temmu, and seems to have thus far done little with his life. No doubt he lived comfortably, as all members of the imperial family would have, but he held no office, and up to the point of his ascension to crown prince, he hadn't even been granted any court rank. He also had not acquired any of the scandals of his older brothers and cousins, and was young enough that those kuge on the fence about his elevation might convince themselves that he could grow into the role, and maybe even be good at it. While he may not sound especially impressive or even minimally qualified to become the next ten no, he had something very important that Empress Komyo and her allies saw as an impressive qualification. His primary wife was Fujiwara Nakamaro's daughter, making the high counselor his father-in-law. Far from being a holidays-only relationship, Prince Oi and his family were 
actually living in Nakamaro's house at the time. Privately, many of the Kuge who preferred to operate outside of the Fujiwara orbit were incensed over the Empress's choice. Tachibana Naramaro felt especially frustrated by these proceedings and probably believed at this point that he would never manage to recover his father's office of Sadaijin. The timing of this decision probably felt a little personal as well, given that his father, Tachibana Moroe, had died the month before the appointment of this new puppet crown prince. It could be that this was a purposefully timed event, as Moroe may have come out of his frustrated retirement, ready to enforce the will of the late emperor whom he had so loyally served, but we can't be certain. What we are certain of is Naramaro's frustration. It is here that I must point out that this situation was not just an affair of state, but a family squabble. Fujiwara Nakamaro and Tachibana Naramaro were cousins, and part of the dissatisfaction that Naramaro felt was probably exacerbated by the fact that the Fujiwara were once again elevating their own house at the expense of other Kuge clans who had served the throne no less diligently, perhaps even more so. The past few years under Nakamaro's authority had probably already been more than Naramaro felt able to bear. The thought of him possessing that authority for an indefinite number of years to come would have been unthinkable. It was a problem that Naramaro decided to do something about. His plan bears numerous similarities to the conspiracy that caused Prince Nagaya's death back in 729. This may have been intentional, but it is also just as likely that the plan was forged for the sake of simplicity and practicality. In essence, it was uncomplicated. Naramaro and his co-conspirators would surround the home of Fujiwara Nakamaro and accuse him of treason, then storm his house and kill everyone inside. It's clear that Naramaro had a few candidates in mind to be crown prince in the place of Prince Oi, and likely would have convinced Empress Koken to retire, so that whichever candidate he decided to elevate could take the throne, and the era of Fujiwara favoritism would be over. There is some evidence that Naramaro may have made his decision to rebel some years before. According to some accounts, he had been approaching various powerful kuge, particularly those vested with military authority, since at least 743. At the time, Emperor Shomu had taken particularly ill, as he often did, and Naramaro allegedly approached Saeki Matanari for the first time about denying succession to then-Crown Princess Abe, and putting Prince Kibumi on the throne in her place should the emperor not survive. Matanari was involved in campaigns against the Amishi, and thus had the respect of enough soldiers to pull off such a feat. However, he was said to have refused Naramaro at the time. At the enthronement celebration of Empress Koken in 749, Naramaro allegedly approached Saeki Matanari again, proposing a coup. At this point, Matanari was serving as the vice-governor of Mutsu province in Tohoku, and had grown more popular with the soldiers. Again, however, he refused to be part of a rebellion, 
but we should also note that he did not report either conversation at the time. Sorry that I'm couching all these events in allegedly's, but the circumstances by which this information came to be known are suspect, to say the least. Allegedly, Tachibana Naramaro approached many people over the years in an attempt to raise a rebellion against Empress Kouken and the Fujiwara. They all refused, until the installation of Crown Prince Oi made them rethink whether Naramaro was just an unhinged malcontent, or if he might not have a point about Fujiwara tyranny. Saeki Matanari, now the governor of Mutsu province, joined with Otomo Komaro, the Sadaiben, or controller of the left, and Ono Azumahito, whom you may remember as the Dai Shogun who put down Fujiwara Hirotsugu's previous rebellion, who was now serving as overseer of Mutsu province and governor of Yamato province. In June of 757, just two months after the elevation of Crown Prince Oi, the three met together with Naramaro and agreed to execute his plan. While the plot was simple enough, it required a few resources which would take some time to gather. Generally, these things work out better for the pro-coup faction when they act quickly, as the longer it takes to execute the plan, the greater your chances of being found out. Before Naramaro and the others could hope to gather their loyal retainers to surround Fujiwara Nakamaro's house, they needed to gather weapons. This would take some time, as these men wanted their warriors well-armed, and needed time to find men they could trust. The other problem with this plot is that Naramaro seems to have been unable to choose which imperial prince he was going to put on the throne after Koken had been overthrown and he included far too many of them in the affair. His lack of discretion proved to be his undoing. Prince Yamashiro reported to Empress Kouken that Naramaro and his friends were accumulating weapons. Shortly thereafter, a palace guard named Kamitsumichi Hitatsu informed Fujiwara Nakamaro that Ono Azumahito had asked him to help in the upcoming overthrow. Imperial guards were immediately dispatched and surrounded the residence of ousted Prince Funado. Under Nakamaro's orders, they combed Heijo-kyo and arrested Tachibana Naramaro, Saeki Matanari, Otomo Komaro, as well as several important princes. What happened next is a bit confusing. The day after the arrest, Ono Azumahito was visited in prison by Fujiwara Toyonari, then serving as the Udaijin, or Minister of the Right, and Fujiwara Nagate, who at the time was a member of the Middle Council. They held an impromptu hearing on the accusations, and at first Azumahito swore his innocence in the matter, and they seemed to have believed him. They passed the information along to Fujiwara Nakamaro, and shortly thereafter Empress Koken issued an edict in which she herself claimed to disbelieve the rumors of rebellion from these fine, upstanding kuge. We aren't sure why, but later in the day, Udaijin Fujiwara Toyonari was dismissed from having any part in the matter, and Middle Counselor Fujiwara Nagate ordered to subject Ono Azumahito to torture so that the truth might be found. It could be that Toyonari was sympathetic to the rebels, 
although it seems more likely he really thought the accusations were false, rather than being secretly part of the conspiracy himself. In any case, Ono Azumahito's torture unraveled the entire conspiracy, though I hope that it is now clear why I couched the supposed actions of Naramaro and his allies in legalistic language. Confessions obtained by torture are unreliable, and as each plotter was subjected to pain and questioning, the entire conspiracy seemed to grow larger. Had Naramaro really planned to overthrow the government way back in 743, when Emperor Shobu still sat on the throne? I can't discount the possibility, but I can certainly express that, once more, the timing of this is awfully suspicious. If Naramaro had only recently formed the conspiracy in reaction to current events, it might put those events under greater scrutiny than the imperial court wished to permit. If he had been repeatedly trying to form a coalition against the rightful Tenno, especially if he began in the days of Emperor Shomu, then obviously the man was just a power-hungry criminal. It's hard to overstate how difficult it is to be confident in any one theory of Naramaro, whether he was driven to rebellion after unjust demotions and tyrannical marginalization, or whether he was just a treacherous kuge whose ambition and self-confidence far outstripped his capabilities. Whatever the case, Nakamaro urged Empress Koken to do what was necessary. Rebellion against the sovereign was a crime, Nakamaro argued, that could have only one penalty. Nakamaro was not merely being vindictive in his eagerness to execute the plotters. The Yoro Code, co-authored by his grandfather Fujiwara Fuhito, had just finally become promulgated as official law. This had proven somewhat unpopular among the Kuge because it added new requirements for determining qualifications and promotions, which would slow down the process by which they could attain the high-ranking positions they desired. Nakamaro was eager for the opportunity to enforce the Yoro Code and send a message to his fellow nobles that it was now settled law. If the enforcement of these new laws resulted in the permanent removal of malcontented rivals, then all the better. Again, the events that follow are somewhat confusing, although I think they lend themselves to a simpler interpretation than the truth of the conspiracy. Empress Koken declared that the conspirators would not receive the sentence of death for their treason, but instead be caned and then exiled. Fujiwara Nakamaro, however, was eager to uphold the code and gave special orders to those charged with carrying out the sentence. The canings lasted for hours on end, and the recipients' bodies were horrifically broken from the especially harsh beatings. The immediate conspirators, namely Ono Azumahito, Saeki Matanari, Otomo Komaro, died either during the beatings or shortly thereafter. Prince Funado and Prince Kibumi were given the same treatment, something I find more than a little shocking. I suppose we can understand why Nakamaro meted out this punishment so vigorously, given that the main action of this conspiracy was his own assassination. Still, usually membership in the imperial family entitled one to a certain amount of leeway.
Strangely, the fate of Tachibana Naramaro is not listed in the Shoku Nihongi, though considering the fact that he isn't mentioned thereafter and was the primary leader of the conspiracy, he most likely met the same cruel fate as his partners in crime. Many other imperial princes were exiled to Sado Island way up north and Awaji Island, which sits between Honshu and Shikoku. Regarding the roles of Nakamaro and Koken Tenno, it is difficult to know for certain the extent to which they worked together on this little venture. Empress Koken seemed determined to appear impartial and even compassionate toward her rebellious subjects, and Nakamaro seemed all the more determined to ensure that they meet their just rewards. It is possible that Nakamaro acted on behalf of Empress Komyo, and that Empress Koken may have been frustrated by the constant second-guessing of her mother. The shadow of Empress Wu Zetian loomed large over Japan, and there can be little doubt that Empress Komyo saw herself as being similar to the great Empress Dowager who came before. It seems almost as likely that Empress Koken and Fujiwara Nakamaro were playing good cop, bad cop against the courtiers, ensuring that the Empress did not develop a reputation for wanton cruelty as she left the torture and murder to her trusted advisor, Nakamaro. While there are many theories surrounding both of their seeming attitudes and actions, we can't really be certain. This turn of events was a massive boon to the political power of Fujiwara Nakamaro, whose most threatening enemies were now dead or exiled. History, however, is not without its share of irony, and the same tactics which Nakamaro had so skillfully wielded against his opponents would someday be used against him. Next time, we will discuss the end of Empress Koken's time on the Chrysanthemum Throne and the rise of Crown Prince Oi, who would indeed ascend to the throne and rule the nation with the help of Fujiwara Nakamaro.